Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Did the team ever work with Dustin Hoffman at all, or, or was he just kind of like... He was not. No, he was not involved today. No, he was not. Yeah. Well, we'll cut that question. Okay. Because <laughs> that kind of was sort of a non-starter. <laughs> Did not really go anywhere now? Yes, I'll be to answer your question. No. <laughs> this is a collect call from The Theater Podcast, bringing you exclusive behind-the-scenes access to The Theater Awards Season 2019. This is Serial, part of a Broadway lover's complete breakfast. In this special five-part miniseries, we bring you stories and interviews from some of the most hard-to-access places throughout the month of May, leading up to the red carpet and press room of the Tony Awards themselves, which took place on June 9, 2019. Part 2 continues with the 64th Annual Drama Desk Awards, which were held on Sunday, June 2nd at 8pm at the Town Hall in New York City. This episode focuses specifically on the red carpet leading up to the Drama Desk Awards. The red carpet itself was located a few doors down from the Town Hall Theater on the corner of 43rd and 6th Avenue. In what seems to be a common theme so far, it had just finished raining earlier that day. After I checked in with the press team at the door, I was shown to my spot. The theater podcast was printed neatly on a piece of paper on the floor, indicating my exact place to stand. I was lucky enough to be positioned next to a very nice man named Keith host of another Broadway podcast called Curtain Call with Keith Price. We take a moment to get to know each other there and sing the praises of the press agents, who without the knowledge or praise of the general public, help make these wonderful events happen. I think the unsung heroes of this whole stuff are the press agents. Oh, they will believe that too. (laughs) Well, they help keep the order. The night began around 6.30 p.m. when the first guests began to arrive. The Drama Desk Awards are special to me because, unlike the Tony Awards, they have nominees from Broadway, Off-Broadway, and Off-Off-Broadway shows, all combined in the same categories. We start our conversations with Rick and Jeff Cooperman, nominated for Best Choreography for Alice by Heart, who have nothing but kind words to say about the importance of the Off-Broadway community in the Broadway world. I think Off-Broadway is such a brilliant place to really take risks. Uh, It's a big sandbox where you can go and uh, try out some really kind of on the border ideas um, you know part of that is just based on the economics right like you're not loading in a massive show into this theater where you have these kind of big fiduciary responsibilities you can just kind of go in there make a light show but one that's really kind of art first if you will right. yeah and you know keeping it light in that way uh, and, and relying on on the talent of the performers and and uh, the, the designers to, to keep it you know under certain constraints tying your hand behind your back that like that produces beautiful results history making drama desk winner and tony award winner ali stroker also had thoughts on the same subject well off broadway shows are equally as important as all the broadway shows happening because they're able to reach more people and not only that but they're they get it gives um it gives shows the the chance to really develop and that's what we were able to do at saint anne's it was really beautiful that we were able to really like work on a show and do the run and find more things so that it was even in better shape to come to broadway George Salazar, nominated for Outstanding Featured Actor in a Musical, which contributed to Be More Chill's eight overall nominations, also gave me his thoughts. So I love the Dramatists because they recognize um, the 
kind of the whole gamut of theater in New York. Um, but you know, I feel like uh, Broadway's better because of Off-Broadway, especially shows that, that have a life Off-Broadway and then transfer to Broadway. There's, um, there's a certain um, exciting, risk-taking quality of, of Off-Broadway that doesn't really get to happen on Broadway. So when a production gets to have that, it's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's nothing but good. In what became a common theme when answering this question, Sarah Stiles, nominated for Outstanding Featured Actress in a Musical for Tootsie, also said, You can take some more risks, so that's where we're getting uh, work that's a, you know, that's a, that's, um, uh, it's not that it's, it's not that it's more challenging, it's just, um, it's new, there's a lot more new work and there's not uh, as much pressure to fill those houses, you know, so you can experiment a little bit more and um, that's where the juicy stuff really <laughs> happens. And then sometimes, like with Hand to God, you get to move to Broadway after that, so it's, off Broadway is so important. However, I realized that in order to find out what truly makes amazing individuals uniquely human, that I would have to ask some non-standard questions. Unsurprisingly, these red carpets are still pinch-me moments for most people. David Yazbek, who within a few hours would win the Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Music for Tootsie, explains. When you were a little kid, these moments, these red carpet moments, the, the awards, the ceremonies, did you ever picture yourself being here? Did you know you would want to be here at this stage in your life? No. It, in fact, it sort of looked like the last place I wanted to be. <laughs> really? Why is that? I don't know. I always imagined myself on a, on a stage with a rock band or something, never on a red carpet. Did you play instruments when you were a kid? Of course. Yeah. 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 And so when did, when did you get into the theater side of things? Um, about 20 years ago. Uh, I just sort of fell into it. Uh, it's been good to me, as they say. Yes, it certainly has. <laughs> That's very good. Um, and, and I guess, did you have uh, a supportive family, a supportive parents, or did, were you kind of like the black sheep that like, went a, into the arts? I had a, a theater-loving, uh, uh, two theater-loving parents. Mm -hmm. We lived in Manhattan. I grew up in Manhattan. They went to the theater all the time, and to the opera, and to the symphony, and to jazz bands and stuff like that. So I had a good, uh, a good shot at seeing stuff and hearing stuff. And I went to a lot of theater. Steven Skybell, who received his nomination for Outstanding Actor in a Musical for Fiddler on the Roof, actually ended up calling this a literal pinch-me moment. What does this mean for you to, uh, to be part of this today? Like, the drama desk is off-off-Broadway, off-Broadway, Broadway, all together, and you're celebrating the arts. You're celebrating theater in general. What does this mean to you? Well, it, you know, uh, as, a, as a musical that started down at the Museum of Jewish Heritage, off-off-Broadway, off-Broadway, and now to be off-Broadway on 42nd Street and to be acknowledged and celebrated with some of the heavy hitters is, is very rewarding and, and you know, it's, it is a pinch me moment, a little bit, that not only that me, a uh, uh, old dog of a performer is now in this, this, you know, illustrious crowd, but that a musical in Yiddish could be celebrated in sort of the best of New York theater um, is unprecedented. Shifting gears a little, I decided to ask a few people to reflect on the aspirations of their younger selves. We start with Corbin Blue, also nominated for Outstanding Featured Actor in a Musical for his performance in Kiss Me Kate. I started performing at a really early age. I started at two years old, and my father's an actor as well, so I, I grew up in the entertainment industry. My first off-Broadway production was when I was six. So um, I, I, it's always been a part of my life. I've always loved it. Um, as far as knowing 
that one day I would be standing here on the red carpet as a Drama Desk nominee. No, I didn't. Never foresaw that. Uh, I'm, I am honored. That yeah, it's it's beautiful. I, I'm kind of getting a similar answers from people that they, they just they're humbled by this. They really? don't know. Yeah, they they don't know how they got here, but they just kind of go along with it. Do you, do you ever feel any sort of imposter syndrome, or you're just like rolling with it just because it's it's another Sunday? You know, you do feel that sometimes, and that's the same thing. You you can't you can't let those things affect you. You know, I I I know how much blood, sweat, and tears I put onto that stage every single day. So the recognition is a beautiful thing. At the same time, I'm not expecting anything today. I'm just really, truly honored and humbled by the nomination. Stephanie Hsu, nominated for Outstanding Featured Actress in a Musical for her performance in Be More Chill, who was also an amazing computer wife to Plankton in SpongeBob SquarePants, by the way, reflected on what she calls a newfound family as well as her first memories performing. I could not have even dreamed of the reality that I'm living inside of right now, which is, you know, the awards and all the stuff, this is really cool, but more than that, the community of artists that is around me and that I can call my family is so insanely beautiful. And I think as a young child, I just, how could you possibly even know your life could be so remarkable? When did you know you wanted to be involved with theater and performing at all? So when I was really young, like in the second grade, we had an assembly, like a lemonade assembly, and you just, I got to read. Um, What's a lemonade? What do you mean? Well, I just held a box of uh, empty lemonade, and I got to <laughs> read off of a piece of cardstock, um, like, buy this lemonade. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, you know, this could be really fun, but I should probably do something more practical with my life. So I think the seed was planted very early, but it wasn't until much later in my teenage years that I was like, oh, this can, you can actually do this for a living. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Stephanie and Be More Chill was one of three shows that had a recent off-Broadway run and transferred to Broadway this season, another being Oklahoma. Speaking with Mary Testa, who was nominated for Outstanding Featured Actress in a Musical against fellow castmate Ali Stroker, took a moment to talk about the transition from off-Broadway to the Broadway stage. Did you find that Oklahoma has changed between the off-Broadway and the Broadway production? Yeah, there's been little changes. It's most of the bones of it are the same, but you know, theater is a living, breathing thing, and so a show breathes. You know. Are the audiences different between the two venues? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, every audience is different. Yeah. I mean, in general, is an off-Broadway audience more forgiving or, or more? No, people are people, and they're gonna, <laughs> you know, they're going to misbehave. That, that what I scream about in every interview is: put your cell phones away, stop looking at your phones, stop eating, and just sit down and be quiet for three hours. Bringing in the only nomination from King Lear for Outstanding Featured Actress in a Play, Ruth Wilson, star of the big screen, small screen, and of course the Broadway stage, took a moment to discuss her love of the theater. Well, I've done lots of plays back home. That's it's really where I feel I belong, actually, on the stage. So I have to go back and do stage every few years. And I've done it's my second show now on Broadway, and I love it. 
and um, I've never done Shakespeare before, so you guys have seen me before the Brits have, which is <laughs> doing Shakespeare, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I love theatre, I have to do it, and it's it's where I can get to fully let out my engine mm -hmm. and express myself properly. This, do you get the same kind of artistic fulfillment doing TV and film that you do being on stage? They're different, but yeah, I, I get, you know, it's the same thing, you're approaching the character the same way, it's just, um, I suppose, the actual doing of it. You have to interact with an audience, and that's like exhilarating and filled with adrenaline which you don't get necessarily from film and TV um, they're different forms and that's why I need to do it every day. it's more exhausting but it's kind of more fulfilling next to grace my microphone was Robert Horn who later won both the drama desk and Tony Award for best book of a musical for Tootsie given that this is the person that wrote the book I wanted his insight on how the show approaches some of the outdated tropes from the original movie how did you approach taking this into uh, the modern times, given all of the Me Too movement and you know, yeah, women's I mean, walk -up? you know, it sort of took itself there because as we were writing it, the headlines were changing daily and we knew we wanted it to sort of be, to represent the era that it exists in and that um, it was a perfect movie for 1982, but that we had to update it and, and make it feel relevant now. But we wanted to do it through comedy. That, that was, that is the, that is the DNA of the, of the show is comedy. And, and are you guys receiving the, the wonderful feedback and praise that I, I, I would ex expect the show to be getting? Yeah, I mean, listen, the, uh, really truthfully, to sit there and hear 1,600 people laughing like that all at the same time, to sort of become this community in the theater, and that is a lot of praise. That is the joy of this. So, yes. The duo that would later become the winners for Outstanding Music in a Play for their work on Choir Boy, Jason Michael Webb and Fitz Patton, among other things, dropped the heavy knowledge bomb on me that they were only given three weeks to work on the music before the first preview. How did the two of you approach adding music into a play? And, and at what point, was there ever a conversation of like, do we make this a musical or do, do we make this a play with music? Uh, well, I, don't, I mean, it started, I designed it the first time and I came back and I said, we've got to blow this up. It has to become a totally different thing. We've got to scale the energy. We've got to, and then Jason was like, I want their voices as instruments in the scene change music. So then we just got into this dialogue space. And then, of course, he's got, incredible nuclear creative powers and the whole thing just uh, just expanded yeah. for me it was just about figuring out how these boys would sing these songs that they would not have grown up singing and then my thing was we have to put a musical theater reinforcement system in here to get behind this and lift the whole production up so we were on it eight months before we went to stage we were working on bringing a whole new approach and working that through with MTC to make sure that we hit the energy level the player needed and they let us create something new and exciting so I'm glad that you really uh, you got something out of it they did. oh man it, yeah somebody somebody said to me the other day they said that is the way that choir boy is presented is the way that most musicals should be presented. Yeah. Just have the have the actors be part of the of the whole show. It's another yeah. character. The music is another character in that show, which is unique for a play. Uh, but um, yeah. Terrell is a unique writer. Trip is a new, unique director, and we're unique, you know, musical creators. And you can't deny the capabilities of the cast are intrinsic to the musical voice of the piece. It's grown out of who they are as people, yeah. and that's what Jason was able to catalyze. So cool. Yeah. Did, did you ever did you ever think about making it a full musical, or was it all 
always just going to be a play well, with music. There were music. people much more powerful than us that decided that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so the answer to that is no. We yeah. fantasized about it, but no. We just had three weeks. Because actually Jason and I really clicked in and got working three weeks before first preview. Yeah. And that's when it all began. But sometimes working with that energy is the best thing you can do. Of course, one of the most talked about shows this season is Town, winning four Drama Desk Awards tonight. First, we start with director Rachel Chafkin, who was nominated and later won for the category of Outstanding Director of a Musical. So, did you ever foresee the kind of success, the critical success of, of the show in its current form now? I don't necessarily think in those terms, but what I can say is Town is a show that like destroys me every time I really like open myself to it, which is every time I watch it and uh, when I listen to the music. So I'm not surprised, as I am not an alien, that other people are also having similar responses to it. Next up, none other than Hermes himself, Andre De Shields, who later took home the Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Featured Actor in a Musical. You have been in this business for such half an amazing half, half, half a century. century, yeah, 50 years. How have you seen this change over time? Like these red carpets, these award ceremonies, how are things different? Well, I gotta tell you, the red carpet never changes. <laughs> but the people who are photographed on the red carpet do evolve. We have to, otherwise we can't have sustainability and we can't have longevity in an industry that guarantees only two things, and it's not fame and fortune, it's rejection and insecurity. So we keep coming back to the red carpet. The more we mature, the more we achieve security, and the more people want to talk to us. There was a time I would walk on the red carpet and they would go, oh, but now they were. Well, you showed up in style, my friend. But you know what this style is called? And my brother here can attest to it. This is called incognito. <laughs> am I right? Or am I right? Boom! We don't lie. Rachel Hawk, who was nominated for Outstanding Set Design for a Musical, satisfied my curiosity on how she approached designing a set, specifically Town, and what method she used to get the visualization from her mind to the stage. It is four years of exploring, of trying to find the best way to tell this intimate, beautiful, perfect story that does not need scenery to illustrate it, but it needs emotion. So trying to find a way to put an emotion on stage turns out to be tricky. <laughs> right, and does it start with, talk me through the technical process, because for someone who doesn't know, you start with models? Do you start with drawings? How does the whole thing go? Well, everybody does it differently. I start with models. I feel like I'm a, a bit more of a sculptor than a renderer. Um, and so for me, I need to see it in three dimensions to understand how it's going to feel. Um, the, Hadestown has been through an extraordinary process. We have done, this is our fourth full production. They have all looked different. And every step along the way has been exploring this thing about uh, what holds the story well, what's the best way to let the audience, let their imagination take over. Um, so the way you do that, man, it's just a lot of... <laughs> 
re uh, what is the right way to say that reinvention I suppose yeah yeah and it, gosh the lights coming out over the stage during wait for me uh, oh, that every time that gets me that's it's I know it's coming and I'm still like I can't wait for that moment and then the ceiling, and it's so wonderful but yeah. to me like your chest is ripping open yeah I mean it just feels like but that's a moment of such perfect collaboration between so many departments to make that one moment feel like that Wrapping up for Town, I continue with director Rachel Chavkin, speaking about how she put together the entire creative team, including some of the people we just heard from, and why it's such an important responsibility to do so. One of the director's most important jobs is to assemble a team, and so um, there were many different um, conversations that happened along the way, certainly, but yeah, it's like the director's job is sort of to be the go-between of all these amazing brains. So you're, you're basically like a, a project manager. You are both um, the, like, hopefully you have some really good initial things that like send people running in a unified direction, and maybe there's like a lot of natural thinking and lateral thinking and then and then you come back together. As part two of this serial miniseries wraps, we would be remiss if we didn't include some answers to our standard closing questions we ask everyone on every full-length podcast episode. We begin with Dominique Moriso, nominated for Outstanding Book of a Musical for Ain't Too Proud. The question is simply what motivates you? Um, I think the people that I see around me motivate me. What's happening in the world motivates me to tell stories, you know. I think when injustice happens, I get very motivated by, as an artist, to try to uh, give voice to those injustices, you know. Um, and I think when, when humanity happens, when random acts of humanity happen, I get very inspired by that as well. So. What advice would you give to your younger self or younger people now starting out down a similar path? You can't please everybody. Um, that was really something that I, I I wish I had known when I was younger. You know, you always you're, you're so worried about what everybody else thinks. You're so worried about you know trying to please every single person, and you can. You just got to do you at the end of the day. Just do your best. Work hard. Which I think I finally figured out. I think for the most part, which is it all falls into place. So keep just keep doing the work, baby girl. Just keep doing the work and keep the faith and surround yourself with people that are positive that support you whether you're in a show or not uh, keep moving forward I mean you just mentioned about me possibly being uh, the first black woman in this category in a really long time um, so I would probably tell myself it may be hard for you to see a lot of reflections of yourself in, in what you want to do but stay the course like 50 years ago if you could talk to yourself what would you say Andre there is no one like you. There has never been anyone like you. And there will never be anyone like you. Therefore, know thyself, be thyself. And if you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you could see it as many times as you want, what would you say? Well, I, it's crazy to not say Tootsie tonight. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, fair enough. Probably a strange downtown drag show from the late 80s, 90s. A Black Lips performance cult. They did a version of Star Wars I will never forget. <laughs> That is a, it's an, an obscure reference, yes, but it's a very real thing. Yeah. I've asked a lot of people that question, and that is the best answer. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Lord, Lord, <laughs> maybe at the moment, kinky boots. <laughs> okay, good answer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is not fair. Um, oh my goodness. Is it wrong to say Carmen Jones? Not at all. You can see, can I just but, say but that? with you in it, or, or? absolutely, <laughs> I would be like a clone of myself, and I'd be watching like that's awful. But that's all that came to mind. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode two of Serial, part of a Broadway Lovers Complete Breakfast. Visit us online via theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter, via thetheaterpodcast.com, or send us an email via feedback at thetheaterpodcast.com. And make sure to follow Parody Bill on Instagram for more amazing Playbill mashups. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.